It's episode 131 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Lisa Lynn. Hello! Hello! <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, I'm very well, I'm very well. You do lots of improv. I do, I do lots. I, w- I wouldn't say, I was going to say maybe too much, but no, not too much, never enough. <laughs> I do lots of improv. Which group of yours would you like to talk about first? Um, oh, so many. Let's go, let's go chronological. Yes, if, we, if we go multiverse first. Yes. And then, and then we'll go from there. Fantastic. <laughs> Tell me about multiverse. Okay, um, so multiverse, I mean, this, this kind of goes over the story of how I got into improv. So I'd go into that first. Um, so I trained in musical theatre, graduated, moved to London. I was like, okay, now I'll be on the West End, this will be easy. Um, turns out it's not that easy. Uh, who knew? But I predominantly did straight plays for a year. What I mean by that is not musical ones. Um, and then did some panto and stuff like that. Uh, and then finally got into a musical, uh, which was UKIP the Musical. Wow. Um, which was a satire, uh, not not supportive. Um, <laughs> and it, it went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And while I was there, um, I watched Showstoppers uh, for the first time. Yeah. And was like, <gasps> this is amazing. Um, because I'd been in so I was doing Shaun of the Dead uh, live at the time doing a national tour of that Um, and that was going really really well and we'd just done a show at the dance house in Manchester but we'd been doing it every weekend for a year and then I watched Showstoppers and was like but this show is going to be different every night Um, and I'm a real adrenaline junkie as well so I wanted to uh, I love the idea of so many ways it could go wrong Um, and and yeah and, and it being different every night so I immediately googled like what is this wizardry how are they doing this and found out that it was called improv um we hadn't done any improv on my uh, musical theatre degree the word to me just meant making it up without a script more akin to devising our own plays and stuff like that um didn't know what long form was didn't know what short form was but googled made up musicals how do I get into this London um and what came up was an audition for multiverse Wow. Um, so I was like, okay, so it's called Musical Improv. I'm learning, good. And there's a group called Multiverse. So I messaged them and said, hi, I've no idea what this is, uh, but I do do musicals and I can make stuff up uh, when necessary. So can I come and audition for you? And they, um, uh, yeah, they invited me to come and audition. I think it was about six of us that auditioned. Or, don't know, can't remember now. It was a long time ago. Three years ago. Um, and yeah, I... I amazed that I got in somehow managed to wing it um, there was lots of the the impro jargon flying about about game and short form long form and I was like mm-hmm <laughs> kind of smiling and nodding like Jerry out of friends and um, but I got in and then uh, Justin Brett was directing it at the time um, it was like a guest coach and uh, just really learnt from him and kind of learnt by doing shows yeah um, and then realised in January last month that it it's been three years since that happened. Wow. So, yeah, I've been doing multiverse for three years. Wow. So, there's quite... A, it sounds a complicated format that multiverse do. Have they always done this format? Yeah. I mean, it's our kind of USP, if you like. I think now, particularly when I started, I hadn't even heard of, of Showstoppers. Um, and then when I kind of got into the improv scene, there was Showstoppers 
music box and the maydays that I knew did musicals um as well as as multiverse so it's it's one thing that kind of sets them apart um and to me I mean, it sounds complicated but it's also really simple because if you've ever seen the film sliding doors mm-hmm. or uh, the musical our house where essentially one choice can set you on two different paths um or constellations nick Payne, although that's a million different paths so that is complicated um but we just do kind of scene one you meet protag scene two generally be two people that know the protag and it pushes towards a choice um scene three they'll make a choice and from then on um we go into universe a so what happened and it could be huge do we move to australia or not and it could be do i have a bourbon or a custard cream um you know then we go to universe a the custard cream universe and you see what happens you know there was only one left she got into an argument with a guy over it he later became her husband um and then we go when that one's sort of resolved we go back to the choice uh. and say but what if she'd have chose the bourbon um and then i would choose the bourbon instead if i was the protag and then we'd see how that universe turned out so maybe i never had the argument with the custard cream and i never met that guy um but i did start choking on my bourbon and meet a doctor and and marry that guy um or maybe regardless you know i would end up marrying the same guy anyway so sometimes it ends up in two completely different solutions and sometimes it ends up exactly the same like final destination you were always going to move there or you were always going to be with that person yeah um but yeah that that's it is pretty simple it's like scene 1 scene 2 scene 3 and then it splits off and it's kind of one show and then the alternative version of that show yeah and that's it really so it's a really lovely idea yeah it's super fun it's i think the most difficult thing <laughs> for me um as the queen of uh, forgetting my own choruses is where was i stood when the choice happened especially if i'm not the pro tag because we try and set the choice and and replay that moment exactly mm. but if we're doing a 45 minute show that may have happened a good 20 odd minutes ago and i'm going where was i stood what was i doing um when we go back to the choice so i find that quite tricky um but then universe b is easy because you can just do the opposite of universe a or some oh. things the same and some things opposite so yes yeah it's really nice uh, you mentioned uh, forgetting your own choruses. Oh my goodness, it's it's my worst habit. I just get so excited, but as in life, I've been told a lot of things come out of my mouth. I don't even think they go through the filter of my brain. <laughs> they just come straight from my heart out my mouth, uh, and that sometimes happens with the chorus. I feel inspired. I'm like, yeah, that was great. What was that? Um, I can't remember. So then I like to do this thing which I call. Um, upgrading or morphing <laughs> into the advanced version uh, of yeah. the original chorus nice. which may be completely different but it's coming from the same place <laughs> um yeah because when everyone's looking at you obviously to end the song and also to repeat the chorus maybe add some choreography it's <laughs> can't remember what it was yeah uh, that you sang but yeah there there are ways around it and that's what I love about improv is that it's so supportive that there probably will be you know another four people on stage that are like this was your chorus <laughs> do you remember like, yes yes i do thank you um it's also valid that everyone else sings the chorus and i just riff over the top oh that's like, nice that's right that's... guys i'm freestyling my feelings over this it's not that i forgot it what how dare you <laughs> no this is purposeful um but that that actually probably explains most of my improv which is just 
accidentally on purpose. I mean, it might look like it was on purpose, but most of the time it was a complete accident. <laughs> That's brilliant. I think that kind of comes from... Um, I think so many improvisers, like yourself, so intelligent and so well-read, and, you know, there's um, Oxford and Cambridge and all of these amazing minds. Um, and uh, as I discussed before we went on air, I have dyslexia. I, I do not have a love of reading. I have the attention span of a fly. Um, but with all this kind of really intelligent stuff going on, I think it's nice sometimes for the audience to have that character that goes, huh? What? <laughs> Well, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. The, the face cream. And they're like, it's not a face cream. <laughs> what are you talking about? And then the audience are like, that was so funny when you when you confused that, you know, Latin breathing technique with a face cream. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did that on purpose, guys. <laughs> I think I think the best one, I was, I was in a class with um, Paul Foxcroft and we were just doing a, a little uh, short form kind of sketch scene. Um, and they were talking about Blade Runner. So I thought, oh, great. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I definitely know of it. So I was like, yeah, because like Samuel L. Jackson in the leather coat. Like, and I love vampires. Well, I don't actually love them, but I've always been intrigued by them. And I'm going on and on about vampires. And Samuel L. Jackson and everyone else is just crying. And I was like, wow, I've, I've nailed this. This is going really well. Um, and then had to be explained after the, the scene was over that I was talking about a completely different film. Um, Possibly The Matrix and Blade, but I mean, maybe not. I mean, what, what was I doing? It was Blade Runner and Blade, and I, uh, I managed right, to smash yeah. the two. I mean, I, haven't, I still haven't seen either. I should probably watch them. And then I'll realise how funny it was. <laughs> so you're not... So some improvisers will deliberately go out and then explore the references that they didn't get. Mm. And then some will just say, oh, doesn't matter. Yeah, m- much like my screen acting, I think once it's done, if I never see it again, that's fine. Right. Um, what I love about live performance is, uh, is the adrenaline and the relationship with the audience. And it's so sounds such a classic thing for actors to say, but to be in the moment. <laughs> um, but I love that. I'm a big overthinker. Um, which I think a lot of actors are, because like you mentioned the Stanislavski technique, like you go into research and what is my motivation, what is my objective and my super objective and what do I want specifically from this scene at this character in this moment. And even with these four words that I'm saying, which one am I emphasising and what do I really mean and does any of this relevant to what, you know, the subtext. Yeah. And there's a million things to think of and in improv I have one second, so I can't do that. So I find it really therapeutic, actually, to, yeah, just be completely in the moment and um, just respond to what everybody else is doing. Um, and I love being pro-tag because then that's all I have to do. Yes. <laughs> Everyone else kind of takes my hand and takes me on this journey. And I'm like, here's my reaction to everything you just said. <laughs> um, and I love Steve Rose's thing of, you know, don't try to be funny. Mm. Um don't try to be clever. And I'm like, I don't think I could if I tried. So I just, <laughs> I'm just there, kind of ears open, heart open, ready to go. Um, so, yeah. I told you this has happened. We've gone on off on tangent. Yeah, I suppose it's, what was I talking about? Multiverse. Yes. Um, Tell me more about multiverse. Ma- more about multiverse. Yeah, so we do the, we do the split narrative thing. It's really cool. Um, it challenges even the, the best improvisers because you're having this extra layer of, trying to do the opposite or do you want to do the same and also remembering all of the show and as we just said you know usually in an improv show once that scene's done it's done you can do some um reincorporation etc etc but 
to remember the whole story and, and everyone's character arc, uh, particularly when we're at a full cast. You're like, okay, so what happened to these five or six people and what's going to happen to them in the opposite universe? Yeah. Um, so it is really challenging, but it is really fun. And I think to watch, it's really interesting as well because you, you want to know what is going to be completely different and yeah. what is going to be, you know, destiny, as it were. So, um, yeah, it's really fun. We're... Um, doing a I'm going to start my plugging now get Please, ready guys plug away, plug there's away. so much to plug and so little time <laughs> uh, okay so Multiverse have a website fantastic www.multiverseimprov with a v dot com there you go I'm Good. glad that I remembered that multiverseimprov.com on Twitter and Multiverse Impro because the v was just one letter too many and ah. um, so there you go that was a differentiator but uh, all the details are on there in case I mess this up but we are hopefully doing a theatre run so um, like a five night commercial run off West End Theatre so everyone can kind of see this form uh, in all its glory and I think at the moment of all the groups I'm in Multiverse has the most um, experienced uh, singers and improvisers the harmonies are sensational uh david reese who plays our keys is phenomenal um he was a bit like me in that he hadn't really done it before and just thought oh i'll just give it a stab and he's amazing and he does songs in five four if you, he, he'll go you know even just in a warm-up you'll be doing an ave have you ever done an ave no, what's an ave okay so ave you just sing ave 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 Maria. It's really simple. And then you repeat it and everyone uh, improvises a harmony. Oh, lovely. Sometimes the, the tempo might change, it might go a bit jazzy. But when you do this with David, one of the many things I love about him, he will then, okay, like, great, this is now a reggae version of Ave. <laughs> this is now a waltz version of Ave. He is, you know, and he just goes in so many different styles. You're salsering, you're, you're doing it operatically. Wow. And you're like, dude, it was just a warm up, but I feel great. I've done it in 15 different styles before we started the show. So, um, yeah. That's really fun. So that that little theatre run should be good, and we hope to get some good reviews in. Um, I think getting reviews for improv is, is one of the most difficult things. Mm. I mean, it's not easy but being an actor. It's not easy to get them in to see plays either. But you know, to me, particularly the long form stuff, that is a play. You know, that is a musical. But it's different and every theater time. Criti- it is different every time. But a theatre critic can come and judge singing, choreography, character you know, your use of space, the kind of direction that the group take it in. and But theatre critics, I mean, I don't know how many theatre critics have reviewed improv, but I would guess not that many. Mm. Um, so I think with all the shows that I'm in, it's trying to get those people in to be like, actually, even if you don't know what improv is, this works as a show and you can just come and watch a musical, a play. Yes. And um, yeah. Because what's important is the art that is created. It just happens to be improvised, but yeah. that's not the important part of it. The important part is that it is a, you know, it's a great musical. Well, that's it. I mean, improv is a skill in itself. And my goodness, I'm so lucky to work with everybody that I've worked with today. Um, that, you know, they've shown me that improv is a craft, you know, it is a talent, it is a skill, and it is a thing all of its own. But as you say, we're using 
improv as a vessel to create these well-acted, well-sung, beautiful pieces of art. And um, it'd be great for reviews or reviewers to kind of come on board with that and, and see see it as I do. Yes. <laughs> see it as I do, people. Come and, <laughs> come and review it as, um, but like you say, as a musical or as a play as opposed to just an improvised comedy. Because I think multiverse in particular, it's not always comedy. Mm. Um, we always try to make the audience laugh and cry and laugh again. Um, and it's the same with Akaprov. You know, we want a relationship-based, touching musical that people can relate to, that emotes, mm. uh, not just kind of... Yes. Um, so, yeah. So when you have a multiverse show, mm. when do you do a song? How do you negotiate from scene into song? Um, I think one of the good things to know is you do not have to have a song in every scene. Some scenes are just done. They're, they're pushing the story along, that bit of information that we really needed, but you don't have to sing about it. Um, I remember Justin Brett saying in one of the first rehearsals that I was in where I had the same question, um, that you sing don't sing what's happening, sing how you feel about it. Uh, yeah. And I think, with my experience of doing scripted musicals, it's the same in that, because a lot of my actor friends who don't do musicals often say, oh, but why musicals? They just burst into song all the time. But to me, in, in a musical, the song comes when words are not enough. It sounds so cheesy. That's so no. cheesy. I love no. musicals, guys. Yeah, um, but, it's, <laughs> but it's, you know, the words yeah. are not enough. I've said I love you. you. You're not hearing me. You're not understanding me. And if I burst into song and sing about the 50 ways that I love you, then maybe that will get through. And I think we all experience this in, well, I do in my life. Not that my life is a musical anyway. But, you know, you, you feel sad and then listening to a sad song it goes one further than just talking about it because it allows you to kind of feel about it. Um, and same when you feel really happy, you know, you want to put Walking on Sunshine or something, and I'll be like, yeah, this is... It just... It speaks to our heart more than it speaks to our head. You know, even if it's the, the chords that are being played or sung in, Ak- in Akaprov's um, show, but it's... To me, yeah, the song starts when words are not enough, when the feeling is happening. Um, and, and, and as Justin said, you know, then you don't end up with a song that's like, I woke up today and I had a cup of coffee and then I realized that the cup was still dirty. It's like, this is not a song. I mean, I'm sure it's great. And I definitely (laughs) watch me do this tonight at the Miller, but I, I definitely have done songs like that before, but I think it's allowing the scene enough time to breathe. Yeah. And um, Andrew Gentile, who's a genius, came up with this great thing um, where he said, oh, I'm going to give away secrets now. Don't that's, hate me, Andrew. That's why, that's why you're on the podcast. <laughs> Tell us your secrets. Tell me all Andrew Gentile's secrets. Secret specifically. I have none of my own. As I've discussed, <laughs> my thoughts come out of my mouth. Um, you hear them before I do. Um, but yeah, Gentile uh, said this great thing that he teaches, which is space, time, love. Um, so when you are those first, inevitably two people, it's nearly always two, isn't it? Um, in the first scene, space as in space work, so you're not just stood there in your classic improviser pose with your hands yeah, in your yeah, hips yeah. or your hands in your pockets. Um, you know, so you're miming, you're... I did a, a scene with Suki Webster last night 
um, where we were in a kind of what was it? It was a great. Rory gave us a great suggestion. Um, it was a mobster New York bar. Oh, right, um, so we were both there as these kind of like mafiosa women um, and we, we were just cleaning glasses and we knew where the bar was and we knew where the glasses were and the bottles and we handled that so that's your space and then time how long have you known each other it is I mean stranger scenes are fun but it's always better when you, you've known each other for longer um, so yeah how long have you known each other and if it only has been a few days what has happened in those few days what have you learned and, um, you know, the exercise, that's what I love about you. Just really revealing the time you've spent together, the history of the two characters. And then love. Just love, you know, where you are, what you're doing, the other person. Um, Lee Apsey is, is always keen on the, you know, the first scene being super positive yeah, yeah. Uh, in any right. show. So, yeah, if you're both in a prison cell, locked up, the first scene can be how much you love being in prison and it's great and all your friends are here and you don't have to worry about bills and you kind of, yeah, just loving where you are. So I think that space-time love thing is, is really great. I forgot what the question was there. I that's, veered off again. That's all right. It's all interesting stuff. You mentioned the exercise, that's what I love about you. Yes. Explain to me what that is. Okay, so, and let's see, I teach as well. I'm a secondary school drama teacher and I'm not acting because something's got to pay the bills, right? <laughs> um, so... I will, I will demonstrate this with you now because I like to do a demo rather than waffle on. Um, we would be two characters. So if we were in Lola's Cupcakes, for example, we both work there. Um, you would talk as you're doing the scene. So a bit of situation. Mm-hmm. And then, um, do you want to do it? Do you want to just do yeah, it? Let's, let's do go it. Let's for do it. it. Yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Lola's Cupcakes. Well... Jess, I've always admired you. You you put like passion into the cakes. To you, it's, it's more than a job. You're like, you put your heart into every cake you make. I really admire that about you. Well, it's, it's important to, to put your heart into every cake because otherwise, what are we doing? You know, it's not just ingredients. It's it's the passion that makes the cakes taste great. I don't know. I saw, I used to have it, but somehow somehow the passion's gone. How do I get it back? That's what I love about you, though. You know, you're you're always honest and and. When you need help, you ask for it. And then in the exercise, then you would explain why that's important to always be honest or why that's important to, um, yeah, to always ask for help when you need it. So you would take it in terms like you started off automatically there as the pro that you are, <laughs> being that that's what I love about you person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, whatever it is, even if they're complaining, that's what I love about you. You always voice your opinion. Yeah. You're not afraid to complain. You know, you will go into detail about what's irritating you. You're always so genuine. And then the, the other person, the B person in the scene, um, will then say, well, it's important to complain. Yeah. Because if you don't, you know, you just build it up and you'll end up getting an ulcer or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it makes them care about each other. It makes them like each other. Uh, and whatever the situation is, you're finding the good in it. Yeah. Um, and then also you're validating, you know, you're yes-anding. So that's what I love about you. You always scream for no reason. Well, it's important to scream for no reason because, you know, it just reminds you that you're alive. So it's, you're adding kind of value to it and you really find good character work out of it and, and good relationships out of it. So, yeah, it's a good one. Yes, I, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, I do that. I do try and find something that my character likes about the other character because it just seems, mm. it seems just a great way of, I don't know, getting into the... 
at the scene? I'm not really quite sure. Yeah, I mean, in acting, um, when you talk about objectives and things, I, I worked with an acting coach uh, called Bernard Hiller, and he was kind of riffing on the, the Stanislavski stuff of objectives and saying, okay, well, why, why are you here? What do you want? And if your objective is negative, um, particularly he would say, a lot of people say, oh, no, I want to get out, I want to leave. Yeah, He's like, yeah, yeah. well, then there's no scene here. Yeah. Because in real life, you would just leave. Yes. And I think that's the same at the top of an improv scene. If you don't like each other and this person's irritating and you don't love that about them, then get away from them. Yes. Why are you stood a foot from them on the stage? You know, there's, there's a reason that you're both there. And even if they are the worst, most miserable person in the world, there's a reason you're stood there next yes. to them. Um, and other than being like, it's my shift, so I have to be, it's it's much nicer to be like, but I love the way you moan, you know. Yes. It's so detailed, and it just reminds me to examine everything so specific or whatever. But, yeah. And also, if you're playing a negative character at the start of a scene or start of a show, mm. then the audience, I think, can interpret that as the improviser not wanting to play that premise or, mm. you know, not wanting to do that show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of, starting off at least starting off positive because then at least if you do go darker or negative you've yeah. got somewhere to go but also they're behind you mm. you know the audience yes. are like okay well he's having a bad moment it's what I love I was talking uh, to the other day um, about the office the American office and, and the British office um, I haven't watched a lot of the British office uh, but the bits I have seen I'm sorry this is going to be awful people are going to hate me I disliked really I didn't really like it because I was like, but if this guy's this bad, wouldn't he just be fired by now? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know how much I believe this and or would, would want to watch someone just miserably moaning. But it, in, in the American office, and I say, I haven't watched it, so maybe it's genius and I just don't get it yet. Um, but the American office, I love because Michael Scott's character, I think it's Michael Scott. If it is, that's good for me because I'm terrible with names. But he... Um, that sounds right. Yeah, it's, it's Steve, uh, Steve Carell's yeah, yeah. character, Michael. He is an idiot, um, but such a lovable idiot. Right, so yeah. everything that's same as I believe in the British office, all these things that go wrong, still go wrong. But you are rooting for him and you want him to do well. Yes. And the weird thing is, with the UK version, mm. I still, even though David Brent is terrible terrible person I'm still rooting for him and I still want him to do well mm. but then I watched The Office many years after it, it came out because I thought oh, I'd never want to watch something this painful mm. and it is painful to watch yeah I don't know I that might be why I don't like it like um <laughs> Lee uh, is always joking with me in, in Akaprov and, and Hugh once I was like not everything has to be a love story and I'm like but it should be right, guys. Come on. Um, What's you know, the point was, of doing musicals if it's not? Exactly. I was, I was raised on this. I'm not, not necessarily a romantic love story, yes. but, oh, but yeah, finding yeah, yeah, love yeah. for yourself, for yes. your colleagues, for what you yes. know, for what you're doing. Transformation. Um, exactly. Transformation. The, the kind of character arc. Um, but yeah, he he often says to me, he's like, oh, rainbows and unicorns and sunshine. I'm like, yeah, great. <laughs> I love all of that. That's for all of that in every scene. Um, but yeah, I think getting the audience behind the characters is important. So show your flaws because that's what makes you real and, and makes them root for you. But have strengths also and, yes. and, and things that are likeable. Yes. Um, and that that's what I love about exercise, really pulls those out. Because yeah. 
yeah, even even if they seemingly have no positives, at least one person loves that about them. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. So um, no, I think yeah, I think it's a really nicely. yeah, I think it's a really useful tool, and it's it oh, it's it's sort of simple enough to do, but it's complex enough to seem impress seem impressive or I don't know. It can save you if your scene is going wrong. Mm. Um, if you're if you're finding a it's difficult to connect with that character that you've yes. ended up on stage with. It's a nice one. Same as um, You Look, You Seem is a great exercise as well. Do you know that one? Talk me through that. Um, so You Look, You Seem, uh, two improvisers on stage. You don't have to have a character at all. Both stand in neutral, facing away from each other. Turn around and just honestly get a read on the person. So, oh, you look uh, inquisitive. And they say, oh, yeah, I am. I am inquisitive. Um and then you can carry on the scene from there. Well, why? What are, what are you, you know, inquiring as to or whatever? Um, there are lots of different variations on it. Um, Lee Apsey did a great one the other day, um, which I believe he got from Justin, uh, who was doing some coaching with uh, CSI and Pro as well, um, where you start with space work and then the other person just comes in and says, oh, no, no, wait, I'm getting this wrong. So you do it before. So you do, you look, you seem, oh, you look anxious, I am anxious. And then you just go and do space work embodying that whatever it is that they've just endowed you with. Um, And then your scene already has something about it. There's an emotion running through it. So, you know, you look excited. I am excited. And then you just go and paint the walls or or wrap the presents or whatever it was that you were doing space work-wise. But it just really injects a lot into the scene because also... um, in terms of naturalistic improv, which is probably my favourite kind, you are looking at them as a person, not the character. Um, and you get this a lot with, with screen acting more and more, and I think it's it's why there is the rise in... Um, oh, gosh, words. Words in my brain. <laughs> um, reality TV. Right. Because people actually want to watch real stuff. The irony being, obviously, that a lot of that is set up but the people are real and their reactions are real. However, we might judge them as being slightly ridiculous at times, depending on the show. Um, but we want to see real reactions and character stuff is lovely. But why is anybody else more interesting than you? Mm. You know, you are, you are two people on stage. There's so much wealth there in who you both are and the dynamic between you and the other improviser and what you both bring. I'm not saying you always have to play yourself. Yeah. But then in terms of acting sometimes, particularly screen acting, we nearly always do. They're just the different sides of ourselves. You know, it's me with my girlfriends as opposed to me if I'm in church with my mum and my sister or, you know, me in a job interview versus me with my impro friends. It's There are all these different shades and flavours of you to bring to the stage. You don't Mm. necessarily have to be like, I'm a pirate who's lost its parrot, <laughs> and I'm so angry about that. Um, which I, and it's it's no it's not thrown shade at all on character work, which is great. Um, but I think in terms of the shows that I do being long form, if you're in that first scene and one of you is the pro tag, we've got to stick with that person yeah. for potentially an hour, or you know, in showstoppers, it's two hours. So it's like you need that person to be real. Yes. Even if they are a pirate, even if they are anything else, you say, okay, it's set on a pirate ship. Oh, you seem anxious. Oh, I am anxious. 
why? Well, I've lost my parrot. I don't know where it's, you know, and you can still, but it's, it's coming from something real that you've read in the other person. Yes. Um, and yeah, you can whip that one out at any point during the show yeah, yeah, yeah. as your character comes on with one that they've known for years or one that they've just met. Just be like, oh, you seem excited. Yes. Oh yeah, I am. I am excited because this, oh great. Um, because also you're reading the improviser yes. um, rather than anything, you know, rather than thinking of something to endow them with, you're actually just calling what's there. It's a bit like um, Meisner technique with acting, uh, which I love. Yes. Because again, for someone that's very in their head, Meisner technique um, is where you you make calls and then you learn to make essential calls. A call being you say out loud what you see. Mm. A bit like catchphrase. So you're just you're sat opposite a person um, and you're saying, ah, oh, your legs are crossed. And the other person's like, my legs are crossed, your legs are crossed, my legs are crossed, your legs are crossed, my legs are crossed. It goes on for a while. And when you start, you actually, you're not even calling their behavior. You're just being like, you have a black t-shirt. 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 But what you're doing is you're putting all your focus on the other actor. Right. So we're both repping. If this is the first time you'd ever done Meisner, and we're both just saying, you have a black t-shirt, and this might go on for 10 minutes. While we're saying that to each other, we're really looking at each other Hmm. and we're responding. So if you suddenly were to relax your hands, I would notice that and I might subconsciously mirror that. Then when you go into more advanced Meisner with the reps, I would say, oh, you're relaxed. I'm relaxed, you're relaxed, I'm relaxed, you're relaxed, I'm relaxed, you're happy about that, I'm happy about that. And you kind of, you start to get really brutal with each other. Um, (laughs) And the, the, the high school teacher in me loves to be brutal because, you know... Being nice rarely helps people, guys. The truth is what's helpful. (laughs) Um, Yes, you can sugarcoat it for children. It's nice to be nice. But um, those brutal, that brutal kind of feedback of you're not interested and you're going, what did I do with my body that now is is giving a vibe of I'm not interested? Um, And there's a guy, oh, this is a name I didn't prep earlier. Oh, I'll find his name. I'll find his name on my phone in a bit. It'll be great. Um, but he, Alex Marks, is it? I don't know. He say, does. Say it confidently. And I'll then, say then it confidently. Let, right, Let's don't worry. Might, While you're looking the name yeah. up, um, one thing I like to do is, it's slight, I don't know whether it's a miser thing, it's probably not, but mm. is to, when I see the other actor, I try and be really aware of them and then try and give them something that I think they would like, just from observing them. Yeah. Try and give them a scene that they would like. Like yeah, doing. that's really nice. So, you know, let's, let's put you somewhere where, you know, you'd really enjoy yourself. Absolutely. And one of my favourite things, and I think you can do it more in short form. Ironically, because you have the time. This sounds very op- <laughs> juxtaposed now, but... Because I don't have to worry about the plot and the character arcs and the the forthcoming songs and group numbers and everything else, in a short-form scene, game is just, you know, can be the point of the scene if we need it to be. Um, So then you can just make those essential calls or take that character a place that's just going to be really funny, that's just going to be great. So, you know, you see that they uh, are a bit... OCD about cleanliness so then you take them to the sewer and then you take them to a hospital ward and then you take them to you know so you kind of I love that um, banterous kind of torture (laughs) 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 that that improvisers do to each other I think 
of all the groups I'm in, probably Music Box do this the most. Um, to the point that I've been crying laughing on stage during a show before. Because not only do we, you know, go where the character's going to be fun, but also just personally torture that person. <laughs> if you know they hate dancing, then you're like, great, remember that amazing dance you showed me that you made up last year? Why don't you show us again now? That'll be <laughs> awesome. And it just always yields just such brilliant results because it, it's just so fun to watch two friends winding each yeah. other up. And then... Um, I'm northern, and you'll, people will listen to this and go, well, you don't sound very northern. Um, I've lived here 10 years in October. There will be a party, guys. Invites are coming. Um, but, yeah, I'm from Warrington, which is in between Liverpool and Manchester. And the, the northern way of love, um, which is a bit Billy Elliot, um, is, if I like you, I will take the pee out of you so hard, just daily, because... I don't have to, tr again, I don't have to try and be nice. Like, you know I love you, so I could be like, what are you wearing? That looks estate, sort your life out. <laughs> and because, But out of love, you know, you just, you cut through all the kind of niceties and there's no kind of um, etiquette to uphold. You just go for each other because you love each other and it's helpful to be brutal, as I said. So um, I like that. And I feel very at home when people are like, oh, yeah, Lisa, why don't you do that really complex and intelligent rap about scientific methods? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> to which uh, that happened actually at a multiverse gig and my rap ended up going, hmm, yeah, yeah, crisps, science, phones, science, everything, science. <laughs> Because that is the extent of my uh, my scientific knowledge. knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Everything science at the end. Um, yeah. You were mentioning it you... is Alex Marks. Right. I got it right. Excellent. Yes. So Alex Marks. Sorry, guys. Welcome to conversation with Lisa. <laughs> um, there are no straight lines here. Everything loops and and goes off on weird tangents. Um, goodness help my students because this is the same. It's like weren't we weren't we doing Shakespeare Miss? Yes, but I just really needed to talk about homophobia and the racism in the workplace. But that's fine. I'll, we'll come back around to the Tempest. Oh, trying to teach you life lessons, guys. Uh, bless them. Happens all the time. I think they quite enjoy it because they do less work while I'm waffling on. Um, yeah, Alex Marks has taken the Meisner technique, which is these reps. And to me, he's trimmed the fat. So he's got rid of, and I'm sorry if it offends anybody... Uh, the irritating part of it, which is the black t-shirt, black t-shirt, black t-shirt, black t-shirt, black t-shirt for five hours. I did a week-long course in it and I got very bored very quickly <laughs> with that. Um, and he just goes for those essential calls and being as brutal as possible. Uh, so you're with someone you've never met and they are looking deep inside your very soul and going, oh, there's an insecurity, poke. I'm just going to say that to the room. Um, yeah, you think you're not good enough. And suddenly, with this person that I've just met, I'm in floods of tears going, I think I'm not good enough. You think you're not good enough. I think I'm not... And you're just... But it opens you up so phenomenally that then in an audition, whatever the role, really challenging, dramatic roles, um, you know, your, your child's passed away. I can't think of anything more difficult than that. And you're just there with all these raw emotions of love and and blaming yourself and, and how hope can be quite destroying. And all of this stuff that you've got to put in the scene is, is on the surface. 
because you've done some Meisner and you've just realised everything that's wrong in your life and also everything that's beautiful. Um, you know, you like that. I like that. You like that. I like that. You're sexy. I'm sexy. You're sexy. Oh, I'm sexy. And you're like, oh, this is great. Um, and you can kind of really delve. Yeah, I think what I love about acting is actually how little acting you do when you're acting. Yeah. It sounds cryptic, doesn't it? Yes. But it's like when I'm playing somebody else, I have total freedom to feel all my emotions and not have to apologize for them. Oh, sure. Because it's not me, guys. It's Nina from The Seagull having a breakdown. <laughs> it's not me. Um, yeah, so it's really nice. Sorry, I've gone off again. No, it's good, it's good. But yeah, I'm just going to say that's I recommend his of... classes. Um, yes, um, that's one of my very favorite things to do is to take my real life emotion yeah. and just. Here you are, this is my character's emotion. And when you're improvising, right. you can go there and it, it doesn't solve anything. But um, improv is therapeutic, but not therapy. Yes. Um, but it is very therapeutic yeah. to think, oh, okay, I feel this way about something. I'm going to make this part of my character's feelings. Yeah. And just being able to express it and have that accepted by the audience is very mm. therapeutic. And you don't have to own up to that's really what was real so, and going on in you as well. Because I think... Me, personally, if anything, I'm an oversharer. You know, before we've even gone on stage, everyone knows how I'm feeling that day. Um, but for a lot of improvisers, particularly ones who... It's like I say, my degree was musical theatre. I've been doing shows since I was two. It's, it's within me to be a performer and an attention seeker and, and over the top and all of these things. And also to be vulnerable. I feel very comfortable being very vulnerable um, because that's what other humans connect with. Yes. And that is terrifying to to non-actors and people who do not wish to live that way, do not wish to share, never mind overshare. Um, but if you do accidentally share what you're really feeling in your inverted commas, they can't see it because it's a podcast, yes. improv character, then it's fine because you're like, yeah, that was just that pirate's yes. random character feeling that I invented from my brain, not released from my heart. Um, so, yeah, I like it. It's, it is very cathartic. But now everyone knows that all my characters' feelings are my own. I've well, put it out there. <laughs> all, all my characters are my own as well. There you so go. there you are. But that's, that's whether you look, your scene works perfectly. Because we're two people going, oh, you seem uh, excited today. Yes, I am excited. Here we go. <laughs> and it's a lovely scene because no one's BSing anybody else. You're yes. just both reacting like normal humans so then the, the acting quality goes way up because we're not acting yeah oh the irony <laughs> yeah so after multiverse yeah that was multiverse that was, multiverse. That was so succinct I've nailed that <laughs> well done niece my two year old niece calls me Lise now this started at the weekend Lise come here Lise and I'm like we've gone so it's Auntie Lisa so it started out as uh, Auntie Leah because the S was difficult. Yeah, yeah. Then we got to... Oh, there was something else in between. And anyway, <laughs> then she got to Auntie Lisa, and now she's just shortened it to Lise. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, but uh, Music Box have a, a little taster um, of one of the shows we did at the Improv uh, Theatre called Woof Meow, uh, which was set at the Battersea Dogs and Cats home. <laughs> and um, she loves watching it, because at the beginning, you're like... <laughs> and I'm... Arr! like singing and what as a dog um as as only music box do so well um and she shouts oh auntie lisa doggy video auntie doggy auntie lisa doggy want to watch auntie lisa doggy i'm like do you want to stop 
Shouting that out, guys. <laughs> uh, this is awkward. This is not a video of uh, Antilisa Doggy. Um, <laughs> thanks. But yeah, there you go. She calls me Lise. Sorry, another tangent. Yeah. Multiverse. We're going to be We're... doing a run at the f- first week of July, we think, at an off West End theatre. Right. Um, details to follow website multiverseimprov.com and right. social media Multiverse Impro. Cool. So look out for that. Right. That's them. That's right. Them. That's done. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well, guys. <laughs> so music box. Music box. Tell me about music box. So music box. Um, I love them so much. Um, they, of all the groups I'm in, they require the least amount of work, uh, <laughs> and they yield the most amount of laughter. Um, because we are just a bunch of mates being filthy, uh, often inappropriate, um, cruel, <laughs> in an improv sense. Uh, they are the world's most lovely humans, but in an improv sense in terms of, like you say, setting each other up. Um, and yeah, they're just, they're wild and so brave and also so experienced. And, you know, Music Box has been going nearly 10 years. Yeah. Um, I got in, bit of positive discrimination, because I'm a girl. Um, because at the time, um, the the women that they had in Music Box had, for various things, you know, gone different career paths, different jobs they were working, and stopped to have children. Uh, so they, it was a sausage fest, uh, to put it frankly. And then Fran Reed, who I was in Multiverse with at the time, said that they needed a female to guest. She'd been doing it for quite a while um, and said she couldn't do this one show at the London Improv Theatre, so could I do it? I was like, sure, loads of people I've never met before, a former I don't know. Let's just do it. Um, so I turned up, Gentilly phoned me, kind of walked me through it very nicely before I got there. Um, it ended up being a show where uh, Greg, uh, it's Greg Burks, and I were aliens with stools on our heads, the legs of which formed our hair. <laughs> um, just, just bearing in mind that, again, multiverse is a naturalistic, relationship-based um, musical that tries to be real and not necessarily comedy all the time, to two aliens with chairs on our heads wacky um <laughs> gentilly was a robot i think rory was the captain and he was an android and he had this one tear that he cried uh, it was really emotional my character ended up marrying his character uh, and their marriage culminated in a bum kiss where we just turned around and touched behinds again the first day we'd ever met each other uh <laughs> But, you know, save space. It forget, was fine. Forget Meisner. Forget <laughs> Meisner. This is a shortcut yeah, to... Exactly. Uh, the shortcut <laughs> is do a bum kiss live on stage and you'll be friends forever. Um, <laughs> so there you go. So that's what we did. And the rest, as they say, is history. I guessed it with them again and again and again for a year. And then they were like, oh, she's been here a year. We kind of make better, better make it... Yeah, better make it, uh, better make it official. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm officially with Music Box now. So that's... Two years I've been with them now. Cool. Um, love them. Love them to death. They so, are wacky and bold. And they take those suggestions that no one else would take in their right mind. <laughs> um, but they do it, and they do it with such gusto, and, and they find the heart in everything. I mean, one musical that stands out, speaking of, of taking those kind of, you know the film Ted, where they, they show improv. Anytime I'm on a date or I speak to someone about improv, they go, oh, what's that? 
And so I explain, and they go, oh, like in TED, where they say, can we have a suggestion? And they go, 9-11. And you go, no, that's awful. Absolutely not. Um, having said that, Come From Away is just one of the best musicals in the world, so go see that, guys. <laughs> um, but, you know, given really tricky yeah. things, you know, give me a an object. <laughs> no, like, what are you doing? But music both go, okay, <laughs> sure. And then we, we end up doing a really inappropriate musical, but it always has a heart. So one suggestion that got shouted out, and I think the rest of the room was just silent, <laughs> was um, that this musical was to be set in a womb. Ah. In a lady's womb. Um, so they were like, yeah, okay. And I was like, oh, gosh, how is this going to go? Um, <laughs> and there was a twin that I think et. The other twin, it was vicious, and gently then obviously became the mother, um, birthed the children out. I think a house got burnt down with the sibling rivalry. It, it got quite deep. Um, but there was just a really lovely, touching duet, uh, myself and, and Rory Vieira, as testicles. Um, <laughs> that just, a bit like, a bit like Dear Evan Hansen with that, on the outside, always looking in. <laughs> so we were, we were on the outside, always looking in. But never part of the action. And then, you know, Dick was there. And that's, his name suited him as far as we were concerned. Because he got all the action. And we were just always on the outside. And, and it was cold, you know. It was cold there. We were not feeling the warmth or the love. Um, it, was, it was maybe the best work we've ever done. Who knows? What a shame it wasn't filmed, guys. Uh, but yeah, I love how bold they are. Um, yeah. Music Box. So Music Box also are going to do an off-West End week-long um, run at a theatre uh, the first week of June. Cool. Um, we're waiting for the ink to dry in the contract, so I will not say specifically. Um, but yeah, that is going to be awesome. It's going to be, I think, in West London. Um, and we'll, again, try and get reviews. Um, we've put in bids for Edinburgh so let's see if we get them uh, but getting reviews here obviously helps sell tickets there because um, there you are really in direct competition with everyone every day all the time um, you know thousands of shows a day so yeah that should be really fun and the next Music Box gig is tomorrow night uh-huh. at the Miller we are headlining there you go too late for listeners but too late for listeners. Oh, yeah, because this will come out next week. <laughs> See what I mean by accidentally funny? Sorry, guys. You missed it. I hope you came. I hope you saw the Insta post I put out this morning. <laughs> and you came anyway. Um, but not too late for, for June. Yes, which no, is when the, not too late for June. Happen. Certainly not, no. Yeah. We're also, we're, we're, we are at the middle of every month. So, right. yeah. They'll, they'll catch us in March. Yes. yes. Yes, it's March now, guys. We've time-travelled. Well, presuming, but also people might be listening to this in the future. So, and we didn't say March what year. March 2019. <laughs> but that actually, if, if, we, if we delete that, the Miller have to put us on every month forever. I mean, because I said it. That's very much how the Miller operates. Yeah, so well, they're no, like, we're well, in a podcast, they said every month. It doesn't matter, this is 15 years later, guys. I'm going to honour it. This is great. That's very much how the Miller operate. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. I love Hoopla. Hoopla are so friendly and so supportive, and I really love what they do in terms of if you are broke. Um, so as a theatre actress, 
I am broke uh, most of the time, and uh, not emotionally, just financially. You're um, rich in emotion, <laughs> yeah, but I'm poor ri- in money. I'm, I'm yes. overly rich. Yeah. I'm flowing with emotion, <laughs> but, um, but financially, I'm a mess. Um, but they will, you know, they're super helpful for okay, paying instalments. We'll sort something out, um, and same like you know the nursery have a, a grant as well that you can apply for. Acaprov would not exist without that. Um, so I love the improv community and how helpful they are on that. Brilliant. Yes. Let us talk about Acaprov. Let's let's talk about Acaprov. So, what's wrong with musicians? What nothing. I love them all. Hodge and what? David, <laughs> Ashani, all of them. Um, nothing's wrong with them. How do you stand out against phenomenal musical theatre improv troops? That have instruments. Oh, do you remove the instruments? The instruments. Oh. Um, I yeah. I so it came about um, as a thought because you know after doing multiverse for a week, I was like, hey, this is great. Let's do more of this. Um, and I remember speaking to Justin about why don't we do a cappella? Like one of my favourite things since forever is voices in harmony. I just, again, in terms of the, like, hippie music speaking to the soul, I think two or more human voices speak to me more than any other instrument. Sorry, guys. Instruments are great. I can't play any. Maybe I'm just bitter. (laughs) I can learn, though. Um, But, yeah, voices in harmony, I just find so moving and so beautiful. Um, So I wondered... Can we do this a cappella? Would that work? And also, just because of the logistics, when you run the musical theatre improv group, poor Tom Hodge, that keyboard. I mean, it's phenomenal. We love it because of the sounds that it makes, uh, that he makes it make. But it's super heavy. Yeah. And getting it, you know, carrying it around all the time and, and finding venues and then going, okay, here's a great new venue. There's no plug socket. What do you do? Especially, you know, if it's not a theatre, if it's yeah, a cafe or whatever, yeah. and it's like, this would be the perfect stage area but there's nowhere to plug in. I mean, there's always extension cords and things, health and safety. But, um, yeah, and, and also then, like, festivals. Akaprov can perform outside at any festival. We do not need mics. We do not need any instruments. So that's super helpful. Um, I was also big into Stomp as well. If you've seen that musical, there are lots oh. of kind of percussion. They're using newspapers and tables and bin lids um, as opposed to uh, beautifully crafted instruments. Um so, yeah, I just, I had this little wondering at the back of my mind how that would go. Um, then in Edinburgh, after a few alcoholic beverages, <laughs> uh, in a bar with Lee Apsey, who by that time joined Multiverse uh, from CSI Impro, um, we were just having a conversation because I was like, I kind of would like to start my own group now. Um, because... I think one of the difficult things when you are in a group is honouring the vision of that group and going with what their directors want and, you know, because a free-for-all doesn't really work. I mean, Music Box is great in that it is a complete um, democracy. You know, everybody votes on everything. And and they also have a rolling artistic director. So at the moment, it's Rory. Uh, Last couple of years, it was Andrew. Next, who knows? Um... So everyone gets the chance to kind of put their stamp on it. Um, 
But yeah, I was kind of like, I'd quite like to put my stamp on something and create a group. Um, and while I was having that conversation with Lee, mentioned that one thing I would love to do is have an a cappella musical, just so you could hear those voices in harmony all the time. Again, the kind of stomp style, body percussion, and beatboxing. So yeah, I kind of took the took the jump and applied for the nursery originals grant, um, saying, this is a crazy idea. I've no idea if this will work, um, but I'm quite interested to try. And because it was a grant uh, and there was no financial risk to me, um, <laughs> uh, it just, get, because otherwise it wouldn't exist. Because for me to invest money I just don't have in anything takes a lot. Um, so... Yeah, yay for working class actors, but boo for when working class actors are trying to produce something because where'd you get your money from, yeah. you know? Um, so we, we tried it as an experiment and um, touch wood, it seems to be working. Brilliant. Um, we are evolving. We are, I think we're, in, we're 10 months old on Sunday. Again, this is going out in March, so we'll be 11 months old by March the 24th. Um, we're working up to our first birthday but there are things that we've tried and are so awful. Um, we we <laughs> oh, won't even mention them. No, Don't you, you, know. No, I, I know it's a nice interviewer, but you've mentioned them now. You've got to give us an example of what was what went terribly wrong. I mean, if you all try to start at the same time by osmosis, turns out that doesn't work. You can't all just sing the same, you know, sing in harmony. Yes. Immediately. Um, you also... Actually, it's not awful. It's just extremely difficult. Right. So it is something we're going to come back around to, which was this idea that I had of pickup passing. So as, particularly when we're, we're a smaller cast, um, we have everybody on stage. So you've got your instruments on stage with you. And if you then try to pass the lyric to someone that's being an instrument, that instrument is then going to disappear while they sing. So my idea, and I, I still say it's valid, guys, it's going to work, um, is pick up passing. So I can hear what you're doing as I walk towards you while I'm singing a line of song, and I immediately take over what you were doing after I've passed the line to you. Yeah. So there is no gap. Yeah. So if you were going, do do, 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 and I'm singing lyrics, I then finish my line and start do, 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 yeah. do, do. It's really hard. It's really difficult on a stage, particularly if we're at a full cast, you know, a stage of 12 people to hear what that person's doing and immediately start doing it while they're immediately sing, singing the next line because you've just passed to them. It's super difficult. Um, so that's something we put a pin in for now. Um, so one, one thing that we've, started to do recently which is is proving helpful um is having the core of the band which is the time signature and key they're the two essential things for any song off stage ah. so if those two people start it they're off stage doing it where the keyboard would be essentially yeah. um so everybody on stage just has to worry about what they normally have to worry about in terms of creating the song. Yeah. Um, or indeed, if it's a solo or duet, there's an entire band off stage with people doing violin and guitar and oohs and ahs and wah-wah-wahs and whatever else uh, in beautiful harmony. Um, 
but yeah, the, the pickup passing everybody on stage in the opening number did not work out well oh, when we first tried it. I'm going to come back around yeah. to it. The thing is with it, it is so difficult what we're doing. We need to walk before we can run. Yeah. And I am just so excited at the potential of this idea and the, you know, 72 things I want to try daily um, that it's just going, okay, what works? Let's go. Let's do five things really well yes. rather than attempt 50 um, and then, you know, and it go occasionally wrong. Um, so we're trying to cement our basics of this is the cleanest, simplest, way of doing an acapella show and then my million ideas will come out in 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 future years um once the foundation is is really set and secure and and at the moment um we're casting um so when do you say it's march 6th is that gonna be too late no it's not gonna be too late we're still gonna be casting um we're gonna be doing our recalls around then um but Again, getting new people in and going, this is how we build a song. This is how we do the most simple, basic version of our show in beautiful harmony. And then be like, but there's also this improvised tap dance I want us all to try. Um, (laughs) You laugh. That's a real thing, guys. Get your tap shoes. If I had money, I'd be dangerous because I'd I'd just be putting everyone into tap lessons. Yes. Because who would not want to see an improvised group tap number I would love that come on guys yeah. this can work um, but you know the shoes alone cost quite <laughs> a lot so we'll put a pin in that one for now um, I think uh, and the Acaprovers will tell you this in rehearsals what I'm guilty of is stacking so I do say okay in this next uh, run we're going to try and do this 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 and this and also don't forget that but it's essential that you do these seven things on top <laughs> and then they're like ah, what was the first thing you said <laughs> um, but it, it does it just comes from excitement I have so many ideas uh, of how this can work you know you watch something like Pitch Perfect see what they're doing you know watch Hamilton with all the rap stuff see what they're doing like Lee's a bit of a expert rapper his brain, I think, just naturally runs at that speed anyway. Um, and then with body percussion and, and beatboxing. But again, it's going, okay, all of this is glorious. What is the simplest form of beatboxing yes. that a non-beatboxer can do without passing out? <laughs> Let's all master that one first uh, and then do the other million types. Um, so, yeah, it's still morphing yeah. and growing but it's super exciting um, we just got back well it'll be a month later but we, we just got back from Berlin um, with a huge stage 350 sold out audience um, we, we got curtain call we had to come back on for the applause we got a stand ovation so we were like this is is where we want to be I mean I, I think there are two types of improvisers there are people that are doing it just for the love. And like you say, because it is so cathartic, it is a great way to make friends. I'm convinced possibly the best way to make no friends. Better way, yeah, yeah um, it builds confidence. Um, it's, and it's, so, it's such supportive because it has to be supportive. It's such a, a communal thing. Um, so yes, there are a lot of improvisers that are just in it there for the love of that. 
And but then there are the other type of improvisers who are the actors, the singers, or just the career-driven improvisers that want their two-prov, their whatever else, to be the next big thing. You know, ostentatious, showstoppers. That's what I want um, for me personally uh, uh, as an actor-singer, but also for Akaprov. I, I would love for us to go. Um, because my dream since I was little is to perform on Broadway um, and perform on the West End. I love New York because everywhere is like a film set. It's, uh, it's really exciting to me. But then you go, hmm, but improv is a nice way into that because there's still a lot of snobbery in the industry. Where did you train? Who do you know? What finance can you bring to this project? Um, you know, because you're a celebrity, because you're whatever else. Whereas with improv, it's kind of like, how much do we enjoy you? Yes. This much, good, then come do another show with us. Um, it's a lot less snobby, again, because it has to be, because it's communal. You can't be horrible and do this job because no one would want to improvise with you. Your scenes would all fall apart. Like, you have to listen. You have to be supportive. Um, so I would love if Music Box and Multiverse and Akaprov and The Inflatables were all on the West End and Broadway and on television. Um that would be the dream for me. I don't know how the rest of them feel about that because inevitably some of some of the other players are are the other type of improviser that are just doing this for fun. And um, so we did make it super clear to to the Akaprov people that that is what we're aiming for. So we will put you in front of huge audiences at every possible you know opportunity, um, and try and approach different theatres and, and things like that. So yeah, fantastic. We haven't really talked about the inflatables. We haven't, the inflatables. So I kind of stumbled into the inflatables again as a kind of like, oh, would you like to guess in this thing that you have no idea what it is and have never trained in? Yes, please. <laughs> um, sure. So again, with no improv training, not knowing what any of the games were or <laughs> what the word short for mean, uh, I guessed it with the inflatables and they're all lovely humans who are extremely talented and hid all of my faux pas as accidental genius. Um, <laughs> and I was like, that was really fun. Um, I love doing short form. It's super fun. I find it really self-indulgent. I'm like, how quick can I get my brain? How many accents can I do? Um, I do, it's awful, but I do. I care a lot less when it comes to short form in terms of what I'm putting out <laughs> and much more about the fun that I'm having. Um, <laughs> and the inflatables are great. Mark and uh, Andrew are so kind. And then you get amazing guests like Suki Webster, like Tom Webster, not related. Um, and you just, yeah, you get to do all these silly games. And for me, it was like, oh, this is what they're teaching on the, on the improv courses cool um and this is what the word reincorporation is <laughs> and this is what a game is lisa um <laughs> so yeah it's really fun and it's a, again it's like meditation to me my brain literally switches off because i can only concentrate on that one thing like story die is so good so you're just watching a finger and your whole life is just based <laughs> on that magic finger um so yeah it's really fun and uh, the Inflatables are doing a gig. Is it going to be too late for this? No, March 15th. 
So if you're listening on the day this is released or soon afterwards... Yes! March 15th at Hoopla, the Miller. So that'll be the inflatable short form. Very, very fun. Uh, and again, you, you can go super wild with short form because you do not have to be a parakeet for an hour. <laughs> you can be a parakeet, a sassy parakeet for a good 30 seconds and then never again. Um, but there is a... Um, because Gentilly is both uh, in Music Box and, and heads up the inflatables, he is all about that banter and that pushing each other. Um, so probably he would make me sing a song as the parakeet, do a dance as the parakeet, rap as the parakeet. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really, really fun. Um, I, I need to go back to Akaprov though. Okay, tell, tell me more about Akaprov. Akaprov, um, with new cast members, so super exciting, um, we are doing the Brighton Fringe. Cool. Which we are honoured uh, to do again so early on in our um, career. Um that we are the 5th and 6th and 18th and 19th of May, which is a Saturday, Sunday, and a Sunday, Monday. It's a bank holiday, so it's fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, do book, do come and see Akaprov in Brighton. It's not that far from London. We can sing on the train on the way back. It's going to be <laughs> great. Um, but, yeah, that's our next kind of big run with Akaprov. Because our other gig is going to be before this goes out. So I'll, I'll not say it, because I don't want people to feel disappointed that they couldn't go (laughs) (laughs) if someone were to step on stage with you yes what could they do to delight you Mm. good question endow me yeah (laughs) just endow me with so much stuff I don't have to think of anything and just do everything you say (laughs) I love it I love when they're like here she comes with her hunchback and her limp and her twitchy eye and her French accent wearing that giant green jumper that she keeps tripping over. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I have to do nothing now because then the actor in me can switch on and just really play that character and not have to try and think of anything <laughs> and try and be clever. I can come on with all of that and then just react. Um, so I do. I love when people tell me what to do. Yeah. Fantastic. It delights me. Fantastic. <laughs> so, big final question. What's your go-to move? What's the thing you do that brings the house down, saves the day, gets everyone going? Classic Lisa. Classic Lisa. I'm never very good at blowing my own trumpet, so now we're going to an excruciating pain. What, <laughs> am, I, what am I good at? Um, I think it's potentially more personality than talent in that I'm very mothering like I'm quite supportive um just because I've always had a really supportive family so I think when the wheels come off and everybody panics I then kind of kick into everything's okay guys this is going to be fine and um I do like to, like, kind of sweep in and save the day. Um, but then that also can be a curse because if you're thinking about how to save it, you're not just letting it be and you're not... And that can then sometimes tap over into my overthinking habit, right. which is super unhelpful for, for improv. Um, but because deep down in my soul there is a Disney princess going, everything's going to be fine... 
there's a gorgeous final number here somewhere and we're all going to sing it while dancing. Um, even if it seems very sparse and there's, you know, we've gone very plotty and there's 52 things happening for me to kind of come in and go, you know, guys, this is what we've learned. This is what's important. This is why we love each other. This is why we're going to burst into song. <laughs> um, just in, in those final moments because um, I don't put a super intelligent kind of pressure on myself to be witty or for it to necessarily even make super logical sense. I'm just kind of like, but the heart of it is this, and this is why everything's fine. Um, and I do, I'm a sucker for a happy ending. So yeah, I think my signature move is probably happy endings. Um, having said that, there is a type of song ending where you sing... Uh, so it's a line that's been repeated, so we all know the, the rhythm and the melody of it, right? So you'll go, um, And I will always be your friend. And then you'll do the rest of the song. And then you'll come back to the last line and go, That's why I'll always be your... And then you die. You die and you don't finish the song. Wow. And it's so dramatic and I'm so addicted to it because it's so brutal. I'm like, I could die in every song just because what a way to finish a song that you just don't. You just die. Wow. You just die. And it works best uh, with musicals that have instruments because uh, they can then play that last note for you oh, and kind wow. of carry out in a big emotional um, instrumental as opposed to if you were kind of the bulk of the melody yourself and then it drops out. So I think it's more difficult with Akaprov. We're working on it. But what an ending. What an ending to a show, to just drop dead. So I love a, I love a happy ending, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. unless I get to be the one that dies <laughs> at the end of my final line, just because it's really fun. And the audience proper go... <gasps> and that is a beautiful reaction to It's get a the lovely audience. sound. <laughs> just a shock. Also, because it's like super, super happy... And particularly in the shows with the naturalism where you've really built up that these two people were, were meant to be and it's going to be awesome or, you know, they're best friends forever or, you know, your mum and daughter and, and nothing can come between you now. You've done the story arc. Everything's gone well. Super happy and then you just die. <laughs> <laughs> so harsh. I vote for more uh, death endings to songs, guys. Well... <laughs> We've come to the end of the Improv London podcast. So whether it'll Don't be... Don't say podcast, just say end of the Indo Improv London. And then it's just like, we've died. <laughs> is that too dark? <laughs> it's too dark, isn't it? Cut that. <laughs> I think we've died. We've died. We haven't, we're still here. Yay, Thank goodness you're still all. alive. Oh. And now a song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for being a guest on the Improv London <laughs> No, he's not. He's still there. Do you know what? Death's not funny. What's wrong with me? Oh, dear. It's just a fun ending to a song, guys. I don't want anyone to get hurt. Life is precious. Yes, it is. <laughs> You're going to do it now, aren't you? Just going to occasionally just end your, um, your podcast with half a sentence. Yes. And let them wonder. <laughs> whether, whether we'll be back next yeah. week or whether <laughs> I died. No, don't do it. It's horrible. Maybe April Fool's. <laughs>
That would be great. No, it's too cool. Guys, I do not support pretending that you're dead, okay? Let's not. This is taking a downward spiral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being a guest <laughs> on the Improv London. We should stop now before I pass out of all the, the laughter. Yes, good. Podcast. You have been Stuart, I've been Lisa, and this is the... (laughs) (laughs) And then just a nice chord to finish, just a nice chord to to round it all off. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Being a guest. On the Improv London. (laughs) Beep, 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 beep. (laughs) So dark. I made this. That's improv!